So, Matt, do you know what it's like to be kissed by a vampire? Uh, I don't think so. It's a pain in the neck, man. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. Good deal. Good <laughs> deal. I'm just great. Just great. Nothing else. <laughs> Well, real quick, we want to say uh, go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. We're proud members of the Podbelly Network. You can go over there and find some other shows to listen to and some tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff. So go over there, check them out, podbelly.com. They're a great network to be affiliated with. We also want to thank tonight's sponsors, Feels, Every Plate, and Raycon. And we will talk about them shortly throughout the episode. Um, We've mentioned this a few times prior on other episodes but it's coming up on the listener story season for christmas so if you have a story that you want to get out on graveyard tales then go ahead and email it to us graveyard tales podcast at gmail.com or you can text it to our show phone number 430-558-1304 All of that information is in the show notes. Um, Text it, email it, whatever you want to do. Just make sure if it's an email that you put in the subject line Christmas 2021 or holiday 2021 so that we can filter through. And, And it's a fun thing we do every year. If you're new to the show, we do this every year, right, Matt? That's right. And it's fantastic. And you guys did such an awesome job last year. We know you're just going to kill it this year. So send in those stories. They they can be any, anything. You know, some weird experience. You've you know you lived in a haunted house. Your your brother in law had some weird experience out in the woods. Whatever it is, uh, we want to hear it. So type it out. Send it on in so we can go through it. Get get comfortable with it. Um, and then uh, we're going to sit back and enjoy these stories around uh, around Christmas. Exactly. Um, while you're on the internet emailing us your story, uh, go give us a rate and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the show. Um, give us a five-star review and say something. This helps the iTunes algorithm bump us up so that people can find the graveyard a little more and it's spooky, you know, just past spooky season here. So we have been getting a lot of new people finding us, but we want even more. We're greedy. Yeah. Yeah. We we want a bunch of people to get in the graveyard here and enjoy the graveyard. So if you give us a rate and review that that allows us to be seen by more people. Real quick, before we get into it, I want to say thank you to Dave for sending over the thing that I haven't got it put up yet, but it is a mummified pig fetus in a 
um, frame. It will go great in my collection of oddities. Um, so just wanted to real quick say thank you to Dave for sending that over. I will try to get it up and behind me before too long so everybody can check it out. Um, but Matt, that's all I got. That's all the housekeeping I got. So Mum, mummified pig fetus. Yep. Yep. I eat. Three words that I didn't expect to hear or say today. <laughs> well, you know, you're welcome. That That's what I do. I, <laughs> I, I am good at, at bringing up things nobody ever thought they'd hear. So that's the story of my life. All right, Matt. So let, let's talk about one of our sponsors tonight, and that's Feels CBD. Now, Feels is a better way to feel better. Their premium CBD will keep your head clear and help you feel your best. CBD has been proven to greatly reduce anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. And that's very true, Matt. I mean, for me, it really has helped my neck pain and, you know, the tightness in my muscles that causes the neck pain and everything. And they say that CBD isn't about what you feel. It's about what you don't feel, that stress, anxiety, and pain. And, man, I tell you what, I I mentioned the neck. I have chronic neck pain. Not sure what it's from. Never been able to figure out what. But you take over-the-counter pain medicines, and they just don't do anything. And it's not doing anything beneficial for you. You're just taking this pain medicine and it's not helping and potentially hurting you so when i started taking feels cbd it was amazing i got better sleep and my neck does not hurt and you know i i use cbd all the time for my my 40 year old uh (laughs) year old aches and pains um but when you take feels you can really tell that it's working and There's so many products out there now, it can get so confusing as to what's good, what's not, this is going to help, this won't, is this the right dosage? Look, Feels will help you figure out what the right dosage is for you and the reason you need to take it. That's great. And and it makes it, it just makes it so much easier. And take it from Adam and myself, it really does work. Yep, it does. And one thing that you got to know is CBD is cumulative. So the more you take it, the longer you take it, the better it's going to act on you. And that that's, you know, you you may be like Matt and I, and, and the first time you take it, you will see a benefit. But it may take a time or two. And that's something that their CBD hotline can help you figure out depending on what your condition is and, and what dosage they prescribe or or not prescribe but what dosage they tell you you should probably try that will depend on on the time frame you need to be taking it so start feeling better with feels so graveyard tells listeners can become a member today by going to feels.com slash grave that's f-e-a-l-s dot com slash g-r-a-v-e and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. 
That's right. So to become a member and to get all the bonuses that we've been talking about, like the CBD hotline and all that stuff, then all you got to do is go to feels.com, F-E-A-L-S.com slash grave, G-R-A-V-E, and you can get 50% off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash grave. Um, but Matt, why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay. So Adam brought this up a few weeks ago. He he's always had an affinity for this and, uh, I have two, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the Mothman story and looking into that. So Instead of doing an episode just about the Mothman, which I think everybody has heard over and over again, we decided to take it one step further and talk about other flying humanoids. Right. Now, we're going to talk about the Mothman briefly because he's a flying humanoid, Mm -hmm. but we're going to talk about some others um, that are similar. We're going to talk about some that aren't similar at all. Um. And look at some uh, potential similarities between all of these. Um, you know, talk about some of them have been captured on video. Uh, but the biggest thing you're going to find, not necessarily from tonight's show, but just in general, is the sheer number of sightings Dude, of yeah. flying humanoids. It's crazy. I mean, it's massive. I mean, probably second only to Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I mean, there are entire websites dedicated just to tracking sightings of flying humanoids. Yeah. I mean, you can you can go and search to see how many Bigfoot sightings in the last month in your county. Mm-hmm. Okay, it doesn't get that specific, or at least I didn't find it. But it's got them separated out. Or you can just look and, you know, by area, by date, it's, it's quite impressive. And I honestly had no idea there were this many. Yeah, I knew there were a lot, but I had no idea exactly how many until we got into this research. Um, it's one of those things that I've been following for a while. And every time there's a new article put out by it, I, I will read it and always fascinated by it. But when we get to the end, I have a theory on why there are so many. Matt, I've already told you, but I'll wait till we get to the end before I let everybody else know what my theory is. But it's it's just incredible when you dive into this. And like Matt said, we're not going to hit every one of them because we could do a whole podcast on just flying humanoids if we were doing that. It would be like a, a mini series thing like cereal where all we did was <laughs> flying flying humanoid cereal or something uh, that sounds tasty flying humanoid cereal by post yeah exactly it sounds <laughs> tasty i'd eat it kellogg's kellogg's wouldn't touch it no post no. post will make it post would for sure yeah <laughs> they'd have little marshmallow mothmen and yeah it'd be great right so 
as we always say, go check our sources um, down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we got all our information, the articles that we're reading from, and follow along or continue the research. And this is one that if you're interested in, there's a lot more research and sightings and everything to go out there and read about and listen to people tell. So go check our sources, bottom of the show notes. You can find all that. We first need to kind of touch on what a flying humanoid is. And it's really simple. At its most simple terms, it's a being that is flying and shaped similar to a human. So arms, legs, and a head. Um, Now, granted, it's not going to look just like me or Matt up there flying most of the time. It's not like Superman. Um, Now it could. It could. Um, Superman is a flying humanoid. Uh, He's not completely human. He's humanoid, and he flies. So that's basically the gist of it but some of these humanoid sightings they don't get close enough to see if they two arms two legs a head shoulders face all that kind of stuff but from a distance it looks very similar to human shape so that's why it's not i i get that that's why it's not more specific in the name it's humanoid because that's about all we've got. Um, but like Matt said, to touch on the Mothman thing, um, it is one of the first flying humanoids to get a ton of attention um, out in Point Pleasant. And we need to briefly look into that sighting. Um, and like we were saying, we I know we haven't done a whole Mothman encounter yet, but this will be a good overview here. Um, just because... You know, Matt and I have talked about it, and we don't think we could bring anything else to the Mothman table that hasn't already been out there. So, you know, we'll do it in this fashion rather than a full episode. So the Mothman was originally seen in West Virginia in a town called Point Pleasant. Now, the entire encounter ran from November 12th, 1966 to December 15th. 1967. The first newspaper report was published in the Point Pleasant Register dated November 16, 1966, titled, quote, Couples see man-sized bird, creature, something, end quote. Now, on November 12, 1966, in Clendenin, West Virginia, a group of gravediggers working in a cemetery spotted something strange. They glanced up from their work as something huge soared over their heads. It was a massive figure that was moving rapidly from tree to tree. The gravediggers would later describe this figure as a, quote, brown human being. So, if you know Mothman, Mothman they have mostly as black or black and gray, but when they saw this the first time, it was, they thought, brown. So, there's been some talk, was that the same thing? But... I'll explain in my theory later what I think it was. Then, three days later, after that initial sighting in Point Pleasant, two couples noticed a winged creature about seven feet tall standing in front of the car they were all sitting in. They were at a makeout spot. <laughs> they don't well, say that, but it was a makeout spot. Would you rather run into the Mothman or the guy with the hook hand? That's a valid point. 
Yeah, because you know he hangs out at all the all the mm-hmm. make out points. Mm-hmm. And apparently, <laughs> there's also been some serial killers too that have done that. Yeah. So Z- Zodiac, <laughs> exactly. So I would much rather run into Mothman than the Zodiac <laughs> or Hook Hand Killer. Right. But while they were at the makeout spot, they saw um, the Mothman. Eyewitness Roger Scarberry and Steve Millette told the local paper, the Point Pleasant Register, that the beast had bright red eyes about six inches apart and a wingspan of 10 feet and the apparent urge to avoid the bright headlights of the car. That doesn't seem much like a moth to me, though, Matt, if he's trying right. to avoid. It's usually the other way. Yeah. Which, you know, if it was that easy to catch Mothman, we'd just go out, set, you know, light a candle, yep. you know, and just wait. Just take one and of those, like, big hunting lights, that uh, yeah. handheld hunting lights that you go out to spot deer with and stuff and catch all Mothman all night long. It'd be great. Yeah. You know, come walking up. Hey, uh, you, you got any more of that light? Yeah. So, uh, is that a light you got there, or are you just happy to see me? It, it's a flashlight, Mothman. It's a flashlight. Now, according to the witnesses, this creature was able to fly at incredible speeds, perhaps as fast as 100 miles per hour. All of them agreed that the beast was a clumsy runner on the ground. They knew this only because it allegedly chased their vehicle to the outskirts of town in the air, then scuttled into a nearby field and disappeared. So, basically, they took off after seeing it, and the Mothman chased them. And they said when it got up in the air to chase them, it only really flapped its wings once to take air. And then where birds have to flap, this thing was like an eagle on a constant updraft where it just kind of soared and didn't have to flap. Because, you know, you think, if a bird's chasing you, those wings are going to be going flap, 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 flap. Didn't have to. So that makes you wonder why it has wings. In my, uh, makes me wonder why it has wings. But they were skidding on the back roads, going as fast as they could in their car, and he kept up with them. So that's why they know fly about 100 miles an hour. Now, knowing how absurd this must have sounded to a local paper in a small Appalachian community in the 1960s, Scarberry insisted that the apparition couldn't have been a figment of his imagination. He assured the paper, quote, if I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything. But there were four of us who saw it, end quote. So, I mean, that that's a logical thing to say. If, if you're out there by yourself and you see something this crazy, would you say anything? Would you, would you tell the papers? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would I would tell like my family. Sure, yeah. somebody I thought would would surely believe me. Me, but yeah, you. <laughs> um, but you know, I, you know, maybe a couple of other friends, but that'd be about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly wouldn't go to the media with it. No, no. But he makes a valid point. There was four people. So why not? Now, at first, reporters were skeptical. Uh, In the papers, they called the Mothman a bird and a mysterious creature. However, they did print Millette's description, quote, it was like a man with wings, end quote. But more and more sightings were reported in the Point Pleasant area over the next year as the legend of the Mothman took shape. The Gettysburg Times reported eight additional sightings in the short span of three days after the first claims. 
This included two volunteer firefighters who said they saw, quote, a very large bird with large red eyes, end quote. <sighs> large bird. Mm-hmm. That, that goes back to where a lot of people said, well, it was uh, a stork or a crane, a sandhill crane that they saw. That's like the owl thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's maybe, but I don't think these people, if there's sandhill cranes around them in that area, I don't think they're going to mistake a sandhill crane for a flying winged humanoid with a 10 foot wingspan. And, you know, there's, there are nocturnal birds. I don't know if the sandhill crane is nocturnal. Yeah. To where it's just going to be flying around. And and landing in front of people, I, I'm pretty sure it's not. Let you know. I, I'll say this: we have cranes around here. Okay, you're mm-hmm. not going to get close enough to one, and it certainly isn't going to get close enough to you. Right. I mean, they are not like fearless of humans. They are very alert and aware mm-hmm. of what's around them, and, and if you get close enough to them, I mean, probably within. 30 yards it's gonna it's gonna fly off yep you know it, it's gonna move away it, it it's gonna know that you're there and, and you know this thing apparently was you know not afraid of any human and not afraid to appear right in front of them mm-hmm. so even to go as far as to chase them off right like right. a predator I mean, chasing something away from its den I guess if you got close enough to, you know, a bird's nest, it, I mean, I've seen that where, where birds can become very violent in the protection of their nests if there's eggs in there. Um, but not spread out like this. No, no. You know, you're, you would be able to go back to wherever these incidents happened and, and probably see it again or find evidence. Yeah. Yeah, that, get a repeat oh, performance. Oh, yes, that's what this was, you know, and it was a bird and it was protecting its nest. Yeah, these people were love drunk at the makeout spot and just yeah. thought they saw a mothman. But but chances are uh, there is a large percentage of these that are not mothman. Yep. You know, yep. it's either a misidentified bird or it's excitement around the legend and you see something and you don't get a really good look and you automatically make that assumption. I saw wings. I saw red mm-hmm. eyes. I saw the Mothman. Yep. So, you, you know, there's always a little bit of fervor. It's not a hoax or not even really a lie. It's just, I, I think it's just overzealousness. Yep. Um, because you've got something exciting happening. I mean, who, who at this around this time, who wouldn't want to be able to go into work the next morning and tell everybody around the water cooler, I saw the Mothman last night. Yeah, right. Right. It, it would it would be pretty cool. Um, but like you said, I think I would say a, a few of them might be, um, but I don't think not all of them could be. Uh but this article goes on to say that Newell Partridge, a resident of Salem, West Virginia, claimed that he saw strange patterns appearing on his television screen one night, followed by a mysterious sound just outside his home. Shining a flashlight toward the direction of the noise, Partridge supposedly witnessed two red eyes resembling bicycle reflectors looking back at him. 
Now, this anecdote remains a popular one in the Mothman mythos, especially since it allegedly led to the disappearance of Partridge's dog. Um, To this day, some still believe that the fearsome beast took his beloved pet. So most of the time, you don't have these winged humanoid encounters where they're stealing animals. Right. You mentioned Bigfoot earlier. There are several anecdotes with Bigfoot taking off with the family pet, but winged humanoids we don't get. This is one of the very few times that I've heard that. Now, to get another encounter with a winged humanoid, we're going to go to the Singular Fortean Society. Um, If you are a Patreon member, then you will remember a episode where I read another article from the Singular Fortean Society. Um, I really like their website and their articles, and I'll have a link to them in the show notes. So go check the Singular Fortean Society out. I think if you like what we do, you'll like what they put out. Now, this is from December 29th, 2019. And they say, Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters spoke to a woman recently who said that she witnessed a, quote, diamond-shaped UFO near Rockford, Illinois in 2000, followed by a winged humanoid sighting in the same area two years later. Quote, on the evening of January 1st, 2000, the witness and her son were traveling on Spring Creek Road in Rockford, Illinois, Strickler said. Spring Creek, that reminds me, Matt, Spring Creek Barbecue in Texas if you know, you know. That's good barbecue. Just saying. Anybody well, gets to Texas, I don't know. you don't know. <laughs> if you get to Texas and you've never had Spring Creek barbecue, you got to stop. So that goes for anybody out there. Stop at Spring Creek barbecue, get their brisket. Is That's it like just, a chain? Yeah, they've got a few of them around. And it's one of those things where people will point you to all these fancy barbecue joints. And you're spending like $200 to feed four people. And to me, Spring Creek cheaper is better. They know how to do brisket and they're not overcharging you. So just. It's like uh, it's like tops in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's all these high end barbecue joints in Memphis. And then, you know, tops is like this little, little uh, looks like almost like a, a little diner. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're they're strown out in different parts of town. I don't, I'm assuming they still are. I, I hadn't lived in Memphis in <laughs> twenty plus years, but yeah. uh, but that was uh, you know you could you could run in there get a get really good barbecue, probably some of the best in town. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you were from out of town, you didn't know, right? You were you were too busy looking at the Rendezvous or Corky's or yeah, you were going to other the big name expensive barbecue yeah. joints, yeah. Yeah, that's the way this is. And they've been around since I was a kid. And they're still doing good brisket. So that's just a little PSA for anybody out there. If you're from Texas and around this area, you'll know. But I'll move on. That just made me think of barbecue and now I'm hungry. So So this says, quote, as they approached Rock Creek, they both observed a large diamond-shaped craft hovering above the creek. The craft was brightly lit and there was a distinct beam of light coming from the bottom towards the creek. She slowed the car, and the craft suddenly cut off the beam. At the same time, the craft slowly ascended into the night sky. 
It says the witness and her son had lingering dreams after the incident and both started to notice paranormal activity around them. Two years later, she had another anomalous encounter in the same area. Quote, then on an October night in 2002 at around 8 p.m., she was again driving on Spring Creek Road near Rock Creek. She observed a winged shape approaching her head on. By the time this flying anomaly got near her, it swooped up and over the car. The witness stated that the winged being was humanoid in shape with two leg-like structures trailing below it. The wingspan was so wide that it literally blocked out all the streetlights. She estimates that it was six feet in height, black in color, and had large wings approximately 12 feet in total width, said Strickler. Quote, she immediately stopped the car, got out, and looked down the road behind her, he continued. The winged being had vanished, but she noticed that the trees were moving as if a huge gust of wind had gone through them. She also stated that the being never flapped its wings. It seemed to be propelled by an unknown force, like we talked about with the original Mothman sightings. She has experienced a sense of consternation and anxiety ever since the incident, even though she now lives in Tennessee, said Strickler of the encounters. The witness's experience is reminiscent of a report taken by the Singular Fortean Society in which a Wakanda, Illinois woman said she encountered a mysterious beam of light in 2014, followed two years later by a winged humanoid sighting in the same location. Rockford is approximately 50 miles west of Wakanda and just over 65 miles west of Lake Michigan and has been the location of several reported winged humanoid sightings to date. These sightings are considered to be part of the Lake Michigan Mothman phenomenon. And Matt and I were talking about that before the mics heated up, that there seems to be a pocket of massive winged humanoid activity. While you can see it around a lot of other places, the that area is just full of it. Chock, chock full of mm-hmm. it. Yep. And I'll say this, too, that if Wakanda, Illinois hasn't changed their uh, slogan to Wakanda forever, they're missing the boat. Seriously. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you, you, you missed an opportunity there. That's what I take from all that. <laughs> you gotta like, take Wakanda. something from it <laughs> now this goes on to say that this is the latest news in a string of mothman sightings from within a few hundred mile radius surrounding lake michigan including every state bordering the great lake these sightings ostensibly began in the spring of 2017 but more historical accounts are being reported as more people become aware of the phenomena sightings of weird winged beings around lake michigan have been reported at all hours often in or near a park and around water. Witnesses co- uh, consistently describe a large gray or black bat or bird-like creature, although in a small number of cases, the creature was described as insect-like, sometimes with glowing or reflective red, yellow, or orange eyes, and humanoid features such as arms and legs are often reported. Many of the sightings are also of something seen only briefly or is described only as a flying creature with few details, which leaves open the possibility that a large avian being could explain some encounters. Sightings of anomalous avians, including thunderbirds and pterosaurs, are often reported in or near the same locations as those where witnesses have reported winged humanoids. So, into that, um, that 
article there, but there was two encounters in roughly the same area where the time frame was basically the same. Mm-hmm. There was a UFO sighting. Two years later, winged humanoid sighting. And it makes me wonder, Matt, and, and I'll ask you this, is it related or coincidence that that happened? And could it be that the UFO was dropping something off in the area? Eggs. Or, yep, eggs. So they put but, down uh, Mothman eggs in the trees, and then it takes, it takes two a, years to hatch. Yeah, something like that. So it's just weird that there were two very similar sightings at different times now, that they described the same thing. I I don't know. I, I don't know that I want to connect the two. The time frame is is eerie, but it it may be irrelevant and it, and it may not be exact. Mm-hmm. Um but I tend to think that the these areas where we see these high concentrations of uh, winged humanoids, UFOs, mm-hmm. just weird, you know, geological anomalies, whatever, any of that stuff, they all fit with these triangle locations yeah. around yep. North America, you know, uh, the Bridgewater Triangle, the Lake Michigan Triangle, mm-hmm. you know, we see this higher concentration. What that means to me is that there's most likely enough energy there from some source that is allowing some interdimensional right. uh, passage. Right. So basically, correlation doesn't equal causation. So you're saying that because of the area, that's why there's UFO and winged humanoid sightings, yeah, that they, not they, that they have right, something to do with the other connected, one. That it's yeah. just there's there's a flow and and the reports are just two years apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you live in the area, you see this weird thing. It happens to be two years later before you see a winged humanoid. Um, I do I do agree. It's odd that that's happened twice. Once, it who cares? It was just 2 years, but the fact that it happens twice does make it a little bit odd, but my guess is is that all during that 2 years there was other things going on that other people may have seen that didn't see the diamond-shaped yep. UFO, didn't see the winged humanoid, but they saw other stuff happening in that area. Maybe it was reported, maybe it wasn't. Um, and so you're, you just so happen to catch two moments, mm-hmm. um, you know, that correlate with two moments from a prior sighting. Right. That That's kind of how I feel about it. I may be totally wrong, but it makes sense that, it's you just know, yes. Anyway, how it, it would be weird that two different people would see a UFO and then it would take two years for anything to come of that mm-hmm. before another sighting came up. So I agree with you. There was probably a lot more happening in that area that they just were not aware of. Right. And then they just correlated it 
with the previous sighting and said, oh, that they must be connected. Yep. So this last article I've got here I, is from Ken Gerhard, and I picked it because of its location. Um, so let's get into it. It says, recently I received an unusual report from colleagues who belong to a leading UFO organization. My associates had been contacted by a San Antonio family who claimed to have had a remarkable sighting near their home in the area around a local airport. According to their account, it was during April of 2009 when the incident occurred. At the time, the lady of the household was standing in her driveway having a conversation on her cell phone when she happened to glance up and spotted what appeared to be a huge, dark, winged man gliding through the air. Startled and amazed, the woman ran into her house and yelled at her husband and son to come and take a look. All of them were in full agreement that they were, in fact, watching what appeared to be the form of a man bat flying by. The strange figure eventually disappeared out of sight. Regrettably, to date, the family in question has been hesitant to conduct a personal follow-up interview with me or any other investigators. Perhaps they merely imagined the whole thing or made it up or... Maybe they have come to realize that some subjects are better left alone. As incredible as it sounds, there have been other documented reports of similar winged humanoids throughout South Texas. According to a newspaper article that appeared in the Houston Chronicle on June 19, 1953, three residents of that city observed a man-like figure perched on the branch of a pecan tree. The Houston Batman as he became known, was apparently adorned in a black paratrooper costume, complete with attached wings and knee-length boots. But the strangest attribute, according to the eyewitnesses, was the fact that the Batman emitted a dull gray glow that faded out right about the time he vanished from their sight. Stories about winged humanoid creatures can be found throughout Texas and Mexico. Um, in Rio Grande City, there are rumors of a man-bird, that haunted the roofs of local tavern during the 1970s. And Robstown near Corpus Christi has a local legend about the Pajaro, the Pajaro Hombre. Um, in November of 2007, a San Antonio man named Frank Ramirez appeared on a local news broadcast and stated that he had encountered an enormous winged humanoid on the city's south side one evening. Those who study such phenomena have suggested these may be interdimensional time travelers or the like. Um, and this says, what do you believe? Are they merely tall tales or is something taking place that is beyond our comprehension? Like I said, that's from Ken Gerhard. So I I don't, I'm not willing to go time traveler. I, I'm just not, I'm not willing to go there. Maybe I'll have my mind changed later, but I, I think it's it's something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's whenever we talk about these type of creatures, there's always that uh, underlying. Is this an unidentified species? Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about humanoid type creatures before, especially when we're talking about Bigfoot. Yeti, those type of creatures. Um, but, you know, none of them have wings. Mm-hmm. And this is, I, I don't know, to, to me, 
this sounds like more of a hybrid. It, mm-hmm. It's not, you know, if it was, I, I, I it's hard, to, it's hard to describe. If there was just giant birds, which we've talked about the potential of there being giant birds, giant winged creatures that still existed, you know, we would be talking about a species. But when we're talking about something that is potentially wearing boots, yeah. okay, um, we're talking about some type of human-like being or at least human-shaped being that has wings. Um, right. And, you know, the, the reports vary. I, I just I, I lean on this interdimensional thing, but mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a species that we haven't discovered. It's a species from another dimension that we don't have. That That's exactly where I'm at. Um, I think. You know, a, a lot of stuff we've talked about has tied back into the the potential of there being multiple dimensions and there being ways of traveling from one to another. And if you suspend disbelief for any length of time, then think about it that if we do have dimensions sandwiched against us, there's obviously, obviously that's funny to say, but there there's most likely a way that, some creatures would have learned to exploit tunnels to get from one dimension to another. Um, theoretical f- physicists have said there are wormholes out there, and theoretically you can use wormholes to travel, they think, from one side of our universe to another. But what if it takes you to another universe? And what if some of these beings that live in another universe exploit those wormholes to come here? Yeah. And that's one of my theories on flying humanoid mothman type sightings is the fact that I don't think it's one, Matt. I don't think there is one no nah. one mothman here on earth that is the the cause for all of these sightings, especially when there's small differences in in the details of one to another. Yeah. And I, I think it's a potentially a race of beings from another dimension that are coming over here and maybe they're just playing with us. Maybe they know it freaks us out and they're just playing with us. Yep. And you know, don't don't exclude the fact that they could be extraterrestrial. But you know my opinion on extraterrestrials is that they too are interdimensional. Exactly. Same. So, so it, it, you know, it's not like they're, you know, these winged or flying humanoids are coming from a faraway planet. Yep. Um, you know, they're, they're coming here and, and maybe that's the correlation between that and, and UFOs, um, and at least a couple of those sightings. Um, right. But, but there's other things too, that, that make you believe that there is some type of intelligent interdimensional um, being that maybe, maybe they already know what is going to happen. And like with the Mothman, they thought it was either a predictor of doom or it was um, there as a warning. Mm Mm-hmm. 
there are some other things, you know, uh, uh, that have happened that people say, well, this is how the Mothman works. And I'm like, well, what if it's not the Mothman? You know, what if it's just another creature that serves as some kind of omen or protector or watcher or whatever? Mm -hmm. But what, what Adam and I thought was so strange was that the Midwest really seems to have a high concentration of these sightings. So this, this area, you know, moving out from Chicago, you know, into Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, um, Missouri, Iowa, these areas right in here have a large number of sightings. And I don't mean that they have five and Texas has two. I mean, they have 1,500, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yep. I mean, there's just a ton, a ton, all in this this one area in the, in the U.S. Midwest. And it's been um, going on for a long time. A long time, a long time. And, and, it, and it's funny, I'm going to talk about Joplin, Missouri, not just because this is where one of these winged humanoids was seen, They've got more than one. Okay. So this sighting that I'm going to discuss uh, for the Missouri flying humanoid, as he's been termed, uh, was in June of 2019. But the woman didn't report it until almost a year later when she reached out to Lon Strickler. Now, the woman only identifies herself as B.B., she explains that on that particular night, she was driving on Highway 13, but decided to take a detour through Joplin to avoid some potential bad weather. So she says, I was driving down the highway going a little slower than the limit of 70 due to the wetness of the road. If I were to guess, I'd say 50 or 55 miles an hour. I did not see the creature until he was pretty much right over me. The creature was flying over me perpendicular to my direction and over to my right into the wooded area next to the highway. He was so close to the top of my vehicle that I could see the texture of his wings through my driver's window and sunroof. Wow. Said the sunroof was closed, but she had the shade pulled back, so it was just a glass And so Mm -hmm. she could easily look up and see right through it. All right. We want to take a second and talk about one of tonight's sponsors, Every Plate. Now, if you're familiar with HelloFresh, which Adam and I have talked about on the show, Mm -hmm. um, you should be familiar with Every Plate. Uh, It is owned by HelloFresh and provides the same Quality food ingredients delivered right to your door, but at a at a really great value. So that's why every plate says you can experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's best value meal kit. Now, we've said this before. Adam and I both, we hate going to the grocery store. Amen. It's especially when you it's 430. You're about to get off work, and you get that call from your significant other that says, "What's for dinner?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you realize, uh, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to when I leave work, I'm gonna have to stop at the store. It's gonna be 
6, 6.30 before I make it home and before we ever get anything started. Yep. But with every plate, those ingredients are on your doorstep and they're fresh and exactly what you need. So you can let every plate shop, plan, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a great price. That's right. And like Matt was saying, the the recipes come together in about 30 minutes, which is so much faster than a grocery store trip and starting your meal from scratch. And, you know, we like to do it not only because it makes it easier, but we can also get Michael involved. Uh, Michael enjoys helping us with the meals and, and mixing the ingredients together and everything. And we're trying to teach him to to cook so that this is a good way to teach him to cook I, re- I remember growing up i had somebody tell me they said boy you are so ugly you're gonna have to learn to cook because nobody's gonna marry you <laughs> which was a lie i have a wife thankfully who thinks i'm pretty um but <laughs> i did learn to cook and you get stuck in these ruts of meal planning and and what you know how to cook especially when you're busy like well this will come together quick and then you end up eating the same thing you know six twelve times a month and you're like oh god i'm tired of this Um, and that's the good thing with every plate is you don't have to worry about that they send you something different all the time and you can actually go on and choose your meals you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week you can swap proteins veggies and sides to your liking and every plate ends up being 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients. So now is the perfect time to focus on saving money more easily. So our listeners can try every plate for just $1.79 per meal. That's amazing. All you got to do is go to everyplate.com and enter our code GRAVEYARD179. That's G R A V E. Y-A-R-D-179. Yeah, so get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering our promo code GRAVEYARD179. That's G-R-A-V-E-Y-A-R-D-179. She says she didn't remember any feet or arms, and she did not see the head. The only part of the anatomy that she claims that she saw was a small quadrant of the torso region. Said the wingspan of the creature had to be between 12 and 16 feet. Hmm. She says it was like her car was entirely enveloped in its wings, even though it was only for a split second. Oddly enough, she says she doesn't remember hearing any noise. That's crazy. So it's silent. Yeah. Silent Mothman. (laughs) Silent Flyers. It's a stealth Mm -hmm. bomber of winged humanoids. Which that seems to be a a fairly common occurrence in a lot of these is people don't like they, they don't hear the actual flying like wings flapping or or anything like wind going past the wings the 
sometimes they'll get like a vocalization mm-hmm. from one of these, but the actual flying doesn't doesn't seem to make a noise. So you mentioned the vocalization. So she touches on this because she says she found it interesting that this creature seemed to have some type of control over her state of mind. Hmm. She says, as it was happening, she wasn't afraid and was completely calm. Now, not calm as in soothed or comforted, she says, but calm as if she was just looking at a field of cows or hmm. something in, instead of a huge creature that's supposedly not supposed to exist in our dimension. Yeah. And you can yeah. imagine if, if this happened to you and you're driving 50, 55 miles an hour down the highway, there's a really good chance you're going to lose control of your car because you're going to be looking and jerking mm-hmm. and trying to, uh, you're, you're going to panic. Yep. Yep. And she says she didn't. And she kept right on driving. And she said it was another maybe 30 minutes before she had the whole, oh my God. Really? You know? <laughs> That's a long time. It is a long time, but she she feels like that it was something this creature did that prevented her from completely flipping out. Yeah. So she said she didn't see the head, but she says an image of the head appeared in her mind almost as if the creature was putting it there. Yeah, She's so like, here's so, what I look like. Yeah. So she said she saw the wings with her, she says, with her real and sober eyes. Um, But again, the head was only in her mind. Hmm. And she thinks maybe it has some type of telepathic ability. But, um, but again, she says she was completely unaffected until she had, you know, gotten further down the road. We hear the telepathy a lot with these paranormal sightings of, right. of things. And if it's an interdimensional being, that kind of makes, I, I don't want to say, I just about said that makes sense. Huh. Okay. Um, I, don't, I won't say that it just makes sense, but it is, it's believable that if we're going to say, yeah, we've got interdimensional creatures that they would somehow have mastered some form of telepathy. Yep. I mean, seriously, why not? Yeah, if they can come here from another dimension, yeah. why wouldn't they be able to do that? So it, it's interesting, though, because if 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 you're coming to another dimension and, and your idea is I'm going to communicate something to these people in this dimension, the likelihood that you speak a language that you could both understand is probably very small. Right. So what if this telepathy is a way that they had developed where they knew they could communicate without someone completely losing their mind. Yeah. Seeing these creatures, you know, if, if they can, uh, if they can calm you, if they can put images into your head, then that's a way of, they can communicate something to you. But she says she got, when she got down the road, she pulled over, she called her boyfriend. She called another one of her friends And then she started to Google cryptid sightings near Joplin, Missouri. She said she found an encounter from 2003 where the man's description was very similar to hers. But she also found out, as I said before, that Joplin actually had more than one flying humanoid legend. 
and and that brings us to the butterfly people. Mm. So the legend of the butterfly people is a fairly recent thing, and it came to life after the 2011 tornado that devastated Joplin. The tornado killed 161 people. It, it shredded entire neighborhoods. More than 900 homes were lost. The tornado unleashed stories about death and unlikely survival as any natural disaster is going to do. Sure. The tor- um, a teenager was sucked from an SUV. A toddler was plucked from his mother's arms. Houses exploded in 200-mile-an-hour winds as families huddled in bathtubs and closets. These people survived. Yeah. Okay. Wild. So for months, just about anywhere people gathered, these stories would, would come out. Did you hear about the guy who's, you know, the cow landed on top of his car and, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of stuff. And so the story started coming out about the butterfly people. I've heard a little bit about them, and and I'm glad you put them in here because they're super interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's fascinating. But the most common story of the butterfly people involves a mother and a daughter who fled their vehicle as the tornado came close. Now, in the story, the girl is around three years old, and in, in some versions, she's a little older, but still a young child. And they have no time to reach any of the nearby houses. So the mother and daughter just hit the ground and the mother covers her child. In some versions of the story, they jump in a culvert. Um, Other times it's just out in a front yard. But the mother watches as the winds hurtle her car toward them and she braces for the impact. The tornado passes. They're not hurt. And the mother is astonished. And the child looks up and says, weren't they pretty? And the mom is kind of confused. And, and the daughter says, didn't you see the butterfly people? In, and in some versions, the daughter describes seeing the butterfly people also carrying men and women into the sky. So these creatures are protectors, um, m- mainly of children. Uh, because children were the ones who were giving the reports. And, and a lot of people say, you know, kids, they've got active imaginations. Sure yeah. they do. Sure they do. But one thing kids also don't have, especially at that age, is this innate desire to deceive. Right. Okay. Um, by telling her mother this, if if the legend story is, is true, um, what what has this child got to gain? Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's not always the case. I mean, you know, kids don't always think, but a a child will react and not knowing that what they saw was possibly just unbelievable, you know, they're going to talk about it. Now, right. There is a lady named Shelly Wilson who heard this story about the mother and the daughter, and she worked as a high school counselor. After the tornado, she was a volunteer for the Red Cross at a disaster uh, on a disaster mental health team. Now, she would drive through neighborhoods distributing supplies, 
you know, checking on people, seeing how they were holding up. And she doesn't remember who told her the butterfly people stories, but she heard them several times. It was never firsthand. The stories never seemed to come from anyone who had experienced them. That's like any other good legend. Yeah. But she says that didn't lead her to doubt. She says it's the only way we can really honestly understand how more people were not killed. She goes, when you walk through what was left, it just took your breath away. So Wilson's idea is something intervened. Because when you look at the the path of destruction that this tornado left through Joplin, Missouri, then you just look at it like there is no way, there is no way anyone survived, much less only 161 casualties. Yeah. So, you know, 161 casualties and 900 homes destroyed, that many people survived homes being, that many homes being destroyed? Yep. How did that happen? I mean, it just seems so unlikely. Um, And so that's, that's her basis is... You know, I I hear the stories and and this is the evidence that I present that if it's not butterfly people, then it's something else because Mm -hmm. something had to have intervened to to keep that many people safe. I remember when it when I first heard that story, people were saying, what if they were guardian angels? Right. Being seen. Um, And that's why they were, quote unquote, as pretty as they were. Exactly. Exactly. So. And and that's going to take us down a path that we could wind up talking for the next two hours about is angels, technically winged humanoids. If you believe the image mm-hmm. um, uh, of an angel that has been presented for centuries, um, you know, a, a human figure with with wings. Um, what if maybe that's not what they look like? Yeah, right. What if they look like all kinds of things? Mm-hmm. You know, so now now we start thinking, okay, was the Mothman an angel? Was the Mothman a protector? Was the Mothman coming to Point Pleasant to tell them about the Silver Bridge? Yeah. Um, you know, what were these were these humanoids in Joplin, Missouri, were they there to protect that town? I mean, it, 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 you know, you, you look at those kind of correlations and you, you really begin to wonder, right. Now, here's one that, that wasn't necessarily a protector. And, and Adam and I, we decided that we had actually touched on this once before, I believe, in the, in the Snallygaster episode. And this is the Van Meter monster. And for some reason, whenever I hear Van Meter, I always think that, it's like it sounds like a uh, like an old pro wrestler. Van <laughs> meter, you know, big dude. Very well, could be, and like a uh, luchador mask comes out. Yeah, why not? But uh, but this story goes all the way back to 1903. So over a series of nights, several respected and prominent men of Van Meter reported a half human 
half animal with enormous smooth bat wings flying around. It would let off a powerful stench and scared the daylights out of everyone in town because it moved in speeds like no one had ever seen. Was it scary or was the stench scary? I think they were both pretty scary because dig this. It had a horn on its head that shot out a blinding light. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Hey, that guy's guy's got a flashlight on his head. (laughs) He's got wings too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they shot at this thing every time. Now, the... First by the the farm implement dealer, U.G. Griffith, as it flew across building tops. That said the monster shrugged him off like it was just nothing. The next night, the town doctor and bank cashier, Peter Dunn. um, Peter Dunn shot at him. I'm going to say this again because this makes it sound like that the the town doctor and the bank cashier are the same person because it doesn't give me a second name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Maybe the town doctor is the bank cashier? I, You know, I could. Years ago, I could imagine that. Hey, can he I also get, runs the mortuary and the, the feed store. Can I get a change for a 20 and a hernia exam? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Here's 20. Here's 20 singles and turn your head and cough. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, that would be helpful if he's doing the procedure and then giving them money, you know, for for his services. He's like, "Well, here, let me get this out of the out of your account for you and I'll just take it." That's right. All right, here's your change for the 20. Uh, I'm going to keep 10 for myself. Mm-hmm. That's, my That's fee. your copay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, we we don't know if Peter Dunn was the bank cashier or the doctor or both, but anyway, Peter Dunn saw the creature and opened fire and said Dunn even took a plaster cast of the great three-toed tracks, quote. Three-toed. That's interesting. Three-toes. Now, the following night, O.V. White reportedly was a a dead-eye shot, as they described it, Um, was awakened in his quarters above the hardware store and shot at the creature that was perching on top of a telephone pole. Now the shot awakened Sidney Gregg who had been sleeping in his store nearby. Now Gregg said the monster hopped like a kangaroo and it was even seen by the local, by a local high school teacher. And she thought it was some kind of antediluvian monster. So something Hmm. that, predated the great flood yeah maybe no he didn't maybe. make it. he didn't make it onto the ark but he managed to survive well he could fly so he, he didn't fly, need to you know. he got tired maybe. after 40 days and 40 nights yeah right i was gonna say maybe he's what actually brought the olive branch to uh back to the ark to say hey there's a uh, land over here yeah. i've been hanging out on it hey i ate that dove thanks yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was he was bringing you this apparently. Yeah, I, I have needed food, and I was succulent, so I didn't eat his treat for you though. This is what he had. <laughs> I'm allergic. Would you like to, his? I'm allergic would, to olive branches. Right? Would you like his feathers? I mean, I, I I saved his feathers. I was gonna make a hat, but if you need them, 
You right. can keep them. A stole. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a fashionable winged monster. Right. We so, have taken some paths off I'm of this, these stories, man. <laughs> Woo, it's an interesting episode oh, man, here. <laughs> I tell you, we, I didn't think we would do this tonight, but man, it's just been like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back back to the real story. So all these men got together and they formed kind of a posse to go and look for this creature. Now, so one of them had 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 reports of some noises being uh, heard around the old abandoned coal mine. So they went that way. Now, once they got near the abandoned mine, reports say that the men heard some terrible noises and suddenly the creature appeared accompanied by a smaller version of itself. Weird. And they were bathed in this brilliant light and then they flew away. (laughs) They said... Here we are. Bright light. We're out. Bye. Peace. (laughs) But the next morning, they came back. And the men that were still gathered there. They hung out all night. They hung out all night because they figured this was their hideout. Either more were coming out or they were going to come back. And they came back. They're like bats just flying out at dusk to go eat. Maybe. Maybe. You know, found, you know, some horses or sheep or something. Something. So the men still there just unloaded everything they had on these two, these two flying creatures. And it didn't really bother them. No effect. It says they just slowly descended into the mine and have not been seen since. Flipping the bird as they slowly went down. Ha ha. (laughs) We're out. (laughs) <laughs> We're going into hibernation for a hundred years. Like Homer Simpson in the movie where he's sinking and he just starts flipping the bird, yeah. both hands. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's the van meter monster. And, you know, I would like to say that's pretty much the van meter monster in a nutshell. It It, it is. I mean, it's, it, it's a legend. Um, there's not a whole lot more out there on it. I mean, right. you know, there's a few um, anecdotal stories that are handed down to grandchildren and things like that, but it's still pretty much this. This is the story. It was a topic we wanted to do as an episode, but it's good to put it in here because there wasn't much meat on that bone. Right. So, right. You you would have had a lot more tangents in that show. We'd have been. Oh yeah. There's no telling what we'd have gotten off talking about on that. We would have just called it the Van Meter Tangent. (laughs) Van Meter Tangent. Now, these next two um, are different because they're flying humanoids, but they don't have wings. So they're not a winged flying humanoid. Mm -hmm. Now, this one uh, is known as the Valkyrie of Voltana. Now, in June of 1905, the small Spanish Pyrenees mountain village of Voltana, also called Boltana. I don't know why it's got two different names, but anyway. Somebody um, couldn't pronounce it. Mm. It it became home for a, an angelic flying humanoid. So a, a newspaper called the uh, Indianapolis Sunday Star reported on the miraculous events on the 25th of November that same year. 
And it's from this source that the strange story gained attention. As of the article's time of writing, the entity had appeared to the villagers five times since the beginning of June. And it was described as a woman robed in white with long clinging draperies. Mm, Draperies. (laughs) So when I read that in my head, this this angel looking woman has a curtain rod that runs out from her neck (laughs) and she has draperies hanging down from it. Look at my draperies. (laughs) It's like she did not have wings, but she had draperies. Okay. Right. (laughs) Homemade wings. Her and mom's going to be and then mad. They would, close, they would close in front of her face, <laughs> and then they would slowly open, and she'd be like, ta-da. You, know? <laughs> you see her pulling a cord, feverishly pulling a cord to close her draperies. <laughs> what if draperies is just an old-timey slang for something naughty? It could be. It could look, be. At those, look at those draperies. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, there's a joke here. I, I don't even think I can say on a Patreon, but okay. No, no, we'll just move on. But anyway, the witnesses said that there was apparently no no visible flying apparatus of any kind. No wings, no balloon, you know. She's not riding on a rocket ship. Yep. She's just able to fly. No broom. So it repeatedly flew over the town of Voltana in northern Spain, leaving the population of the Pyrenees district in a state of religious fervor and excitement as this aerial anomaly slowly floated over the town. Now, three of the five times that it was sighted, it was moving against a strong wind, which was blowing from the south of the southwest. Hmm. It's obviously able to fly without wings. I don't think a little wind is going to make a difference. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, you know, it, it's trying to, I guess, prove that it's not some balloon of some kind because right. it would be going with the wind rather than against it. Yeah. So on the fifth occasion that the uh, that the uh, angelic humanoid was was seen, they said there were scores of persons standing on the mountainside, scores in the streets of the town, and men from their homes and their fields knelt where they were and watched the flight. Huh. The uh, this this angelic creature would come from the north each time, seemingly hailing from the direction of Mount Purdue, which is one of the highest peaks in the Pyrenees, before disappearing among the peaks of the Sierra de Guara to the southwest. Now, there was a British mining expert who apparently investigated this series of events and he confirmed that there were over 240 witnesses who reported seeing what he termed as a, quote, mystic figure. At least one villager claimed to have also heard joyful singing, or at least a sound very similar to that, as this feminine image flew above. Mm-hmm. Now, although you might expect such an entity to bring nothing but but bliss and this sense of security to the people that that witnessed it, it wasn't always the case. For example, there was a mule driver by the name of Pedro Pobrado who was said to have rushed into the church, frightened almost out of his senses, and threw himself before the priest, 
praying and imploring him to give absolution, declaring that the end of the world was coming and that the warning <laughs> angel was flying through the sky. <laughs> I, I, I guess maybe this has would have more to do with your religious background, if it was good yep. or if it was not so good. Yep, exactly. You know. If if you were if you were a very religious person that time, you were probably excited to see an angel. If you were kind of a a heel, then maybe you weren't so excited. Yeah, yeah. I guess angel drapes could be taken multiple different ways. <laughs> but I, I don't know angel drapes. <laughs> From that point forth, she was known as Angel Drapes. Um. I, I don't know. It kind of minus the draperies comment. It it reminds me of like the Blessed Mary sightings that you get sometimes. The the holy apparitions of the Virgin Mary. Yeah. And I mean, it makes you wonder. We'll have to do an episode on that because that's really interesting. But Makes you wonder if these are one and the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if this was like you know a religious experience that this particular mm-hmm. village had. Yeah, because we you and know it we, seems to go that way where villages. It's not just one person. There's a lot of times that villages see these apparitions. That, that you you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, there's there's a lot of stories where in, entire villages and towns have this big religious sighting mm-hmm. experience yep so it could be now this last one um is the only the only one that i found where there was actually any kind of physical violence involved now this happened in monterey mexico so on january 16th 2004 officer leonardo Semeniego. Ooh, I'm glad I got that one out. I practiced. <laughs> he was he was tailing a robbery suspect when he came across a creature unlike anything he'd ever seen. As he drove under a tree, he saw what he thought was a black bag that fell across his vehicle. So he stopped his patrol car and noticed that it was a silhouette standing in front of him, but not touching the ground. That ain't no bag. That's right. <laughs> Now, Semeniego said it appeared to be female, but not human. He said the creature shielded her eyes from the light of his headlights, but he could see that her eyes were solid black. Hmm. Now, Semeniego said that the figure um, spread her arms and started floating toward him as if she were about to attack. So Semeniego radioed for backup and quickly put the car in reverse. He says when he reached the corner, he heard her crash into the windshield. So wow. it took me a minute to figure out how this worked, but he's in reverse, y'all. So yeah. he is turned around, and he is headed back to the corner, and he is flooring it in reverse, and so his head's turned around looking at the back window. That's how mm-hmm. he heard, not saw, her hit the right. windshield. Right. Um. Now... The next thing he recalls was another officer waking him up because he was unconscious in the car. And the officer told him that it appeared that the creature had slapped him three times. 
I don't know how you can tell if someone has been slapped three times. The only way is that he must have had like three handprints at different spots yeah. on his face. Yeah. Um, but for months, San Diego um, suffered from nightmares of this event. And I well, actually, yeah. they they interview Leonardo San Diego um, on an episode of Monster Quest. So I got the story and I actually watched the interview. And so when you, of course, they had to use a translator. But you can see this guy's face. I feel like I've seen this. Yeah. Well, you know, we Adam and I both enjoy Monster Quest. So there's a yeah. lot of these that we've seen. And, um, you know, when I figured out that this guy had been on here, I, I kept finding stories of, of a, a Monterey police officer being attacked by a winged humanoid. And it, mm-hmm. that's pretty much what it was saying is that, okay, this guy was, I, I didn't have any other details. And then when I found out that he was on this monster quest episode, that's where a lot more of the details kind of came along. Right. Right. Um, but it's, it's really, it's really fascinating to watch him tell this story. Because it doesn't matter whether he's speaking English or not. You can see the conviction in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that, a little bit of fear yeah, talking about it. That, you know, when he's telling this story, he's he he's remembering it. You know, he's not telling it like he's making it up. He's telling it like he's reliving it as he speaks. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he says, you know, he would wake up crying. Um, he, he was just, he was terrified. I mean, he was a wreck, but can you imagine you see something like this and it, it apparently attacks you? Yeah. You, yeah, I, it would mess you up. Yeah. I, I mean, just the sighting of it is one thing, but to be attacked by something you can't describe mm-hmm. and that probably most people don't believe, mm-hmm. then that would have to mess you up. You, you, You'd feel like you were going crazy one minute or that the world was crazy the next minute because they don't believe you and you you know what happened to you, but nobody's believing you. And yeah, that it would be wild, man. And, you know, it's another one of these situations where you're getting a report from someone who has something to lose. Yep. Okay? Exactly. He has potential to, to lose his credibility. You know lose uh respect or potentially even lose his job yep so why come forward with this yep that's true why make it up if you're making yeah if you're gonna make it up that that would be a stupid thing to make up and especially for him i mean he radioed for backup and when his backup got there they found him unconscious in his car Mm -hmm. so you show up something happened what happened yeah, I'm I'm going to if I don't know or, or if somebody got the drop on me, OK, I'm coming up with a better story than this. Yeah. OK. Yeah, for sure. Unless this is what really happened. Yep. So, you know, sometimes it's so it's so bizarre and it's so outlandish that your own brain can't get around it. And you just can't help but go, oh, my God, this is what happened yeah. to me, you know, 
And I think that's what happened to him. We don't know yep. what it was he saw or that attacked him, but you know, according to him, it was something. I mean, mm-hmm. it was something. You know, it wasn't a you know, it wasn't this robbery suspect he was going after. At least it doesn't sound like mm-hmm. it. Uh, but again, it, it, let's say it was. Let's say it was this robbery suspect and they got the drop on him and and clocked him, knocked him out and got away. Wouldn't it be better to just say that? Say that. Yeah, exactly. And to go, oh, I've got to come up with a better story than that this guy got the drop on me. Yeah, I was I mean, attacked by this flying humanoid. What? Wait. <laughs> I thought you said yeah. you needed a better story. <laughs> right. And I mean, if, if you are an officer and a suspect attacks you and knocks you out and flees... That is not going to jeopardize your job. If you say, I got attacked by a winged humanoid lady that flew into my car, smacked me silly, and then my backup found me unconscious from that, that has the potential of jeopardizing your job because they will think you've either lost your mind, you're a liar, or you're on some substance while on the job. Yeah. None so of it's it would good. be much. No, it would be much better to say, yep, dude got the jump on me. And then when you finally got him, then he'd be even in yeah. you know more trouble for assaulting an officer, he not had, this flying humanoid. He had 10 other dudes and they were a gang and they all had shotguns and knives yeah. and everything. Yep. One of them had a bazooka. You know, what yeah. was I going to do? Yeah, I had to run and then he smacked me. Yep. That's what I'd say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) wouldn't wouldn't be what he said nope um so we've we've kind of given you some ideas as far as where adam and i lie on the theories behind what uh, these flying humanoids could be um but we're going to get into adam's specific theory on what he thinks these things could potentially be and what they could be doing yeah, I think you and I were talking, and I, I've had this theory rattling around in my head for a little while, um, and I briefly touched on it earlier, but I feel like it's similar to the Bigfoot in the sense that it is from another dimension, and they're coming over here, and they are... One one of two theories. Either A, they are just coming over here and it's like messing with the humans in the other in the other dimension. That's just what they do. They come over here, you know, Bigfoot come over here and hunt. These flying humanoids come over here and mess with the human species because it's funny. Or they come over here from a parallel universe that is basically following our timeline so they know what's going to happen. So like with the Silver Bridge, they had some kind of previous knowledge of this happening, so they're trying to communicate that in a way. Or, like with other topics we've talked about, they are sensitive to 
disturbances in our universe. So they are drawn to these energetic disturbances where they can feel like with the silver bridge, they feel that disturbance in their timeline and it brings them to here to witness or something like moth to a flame. I know that's a a weird (laughs) thing with Mothman to be saying, but they're drawn to it for some reason. And they know that something's going to happen because of the energy that's put off by such a catastrophe. And they come to witness that and then move on. I don't know exactly which, and I don't think we ever will, but it was like we were talking in the Patreon episode. I think they're drawn to disturbances in our timeline. And that's why they always seem to show up around big events. Mm -hmm. And the one that we talked about in the Patreon episode, it showed up around a concert with certain band playing and it just recently happened. So we said, well, let's keep an eye on this band in this area and see if anything happens. And it's just weird that they seem to be ramping up. Like you go with the original point, pleasant Mothman. Yeah. There's one. And then it, then it went long time without sightings, but here recently within the past 10, 15 years, we've gotten report after report after report after report after report after report in certain areas. Yeah. So if they are drawn to big energetical happenings or just disturbances in our, our energy field, then what is it? What's going on? Why mm-hmm. are they drawn here? Yeah. All right, so it's never too early to start gift shopping for the holidays, especially because today you can save big on a gift that they'll use every day, just like me and Matt. That's Raycon wireless earbuds. I freaking love these things. They've got seamless Bluetooth pairing and a comfortable noise isolating fit, and you can start listening right away and keep listening for hours. That's the great thing. You pull them out of the box and they automatically connect to your phone and you're going. You hear the Raycon and then it connects and you you start out. It's, it's amazing. The audio quality is also amazing, comparable to what you get from other premium brands, except Raycon starts at half the price. And that's absolutely true. Matt and I were talking about this the other day. The, the Raycon earbuds are so much better quality and so much better fit in your head, but you're not paying these crazy prices that you would for name brand earbuds that I can't mention on this ad. So it's just, there's no better deal. Absolutely. And I love mine. And I have taken my more expensive wireless earbuds and just set them aside because... Threw them on the the floor and stepped on them. (laughs) the Raycons outperform them, okay? And when you're listening, um, you've got different modes That's it's really cool, and you can switch them just by touching the button that's on the surface of the earbud. Um, There's the pure mode, 
which is for podcast listening, blues, instrumental, the balanced mode, which is also good for, you know, spoken word, rock, heavy metal. And then you've got that bass mode. Really hits hard, you know, for your hip hop, EDM, your reggae. Or when you're listening to Graveyard Tales and you want to get this voice a lot deeper. (laughs) That's right. It's great. I mean, it's great. And they have eight hours of playback, uh, playtime, and a 32 hour battery life. Um, It's amazing, dude. I plugged mine in the other day, and they had been on the charger for about 20 minutes. And I didn't look, I just thought, you know, I hadn't charged these things in a couple weeks. I probably ought to. Mm-hmm. And I plugged them in. And Amanda, I noticed she disconnected it to charge something of hers <laughs> after like 20 minutes. And I was yeah. like, hey, who unplugged my, my earbuds? But you know what? They were still almost fully charged. Right. Because the the battery life is so fantastic. Um, you know, there's a built-in mic. Do you use your wireless earbuds to take phone calls? I do. Yeah. And... The other person can always hear me clearly. I can hear them perfectly. And you're just, you're always connected. You're not dropping calls. You're not getting a lot of interference. And there's no dangly wires everywhere. Right. I I used to have these headphones that had a wire connecting each earbud. And it would just rub on your neck. It would get caught in your shirt. Or you try to put on a hoodie or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you're ripping them out of your ears because they're getting caught on the wire. And... and and my expensive ones, you know, if I'm if I'm working out, if I'm changing clothes, whatever, they would fly out of my ears. Oh yeah. The Raycons, you can find that perfect fit with the five or six different choices of, you know, earpieces to make it fit just like you like and not fall out. You can be headbanging to Metallica or Trivium and they're yeah. not going to fall out. Yeah fantastic so graveyard tales listeners can go to buyraycon.com slash tales today and you can unlock exclusive deals up to 20 percent off your raycon order but this is a limited time deal okay so you need to hurry and you don't want to miss it especially with the holidays coming up that's right so to get a, a gift for yourself, which is always nice, or a gift for any member of your family or anything like that, you can go to buyraycon.com slash tails. That's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash T-A-L-E-S. And you can get the exclusive deal for up to 20% off your Raycon order. Like Matt said, hurry, because it's a limited time only and you don't want to miss it. So hop on there now, buyraycon.com slash tails, and get you something. And that story you're referencing that we did on that Patreon show, that when you look at the list of, of sightings, it's like the last one on the list. Yep. So it's, it's yep. the most recent. Right. And didn't it occur? What was it? The Wisconsin State Fair? Is that where it was? I think so. Yeah. It, it was that, something like that. Yeah. But again, we're in that area that we talked about earlier. You know, that mm-hmm. that area that just kind of radiates out from Chicago. Um, you know, here's another one. 
Right. Right. It's it's really it's really strange that that area of the Midwest is so just inundated with these things. Yep. I'm trying to find I'm I'm scrolling while you're talking here and I'm trying to find um Okay, yeah. So it was an article from the Singular Fortune Society and it was at the Wisconsin State Fair and somebody commented on the Patreon episode and said um, there was an Amtrak train that derailed in Montana on Saturday and it originated from the Chicago area. Huh. So it, it's right around all that similar area, you know, not exactly the Wisconsin State Fair, mm-hmm. but could there have been any any correlation to that and then the winged humanoid there? I don't know, but it just seems that there was a big event that happened. And this article was from August 19th of 2021. So it just just recently happened because it happened um, the night of August 5th, 2021. All right. So what do you guys think? You know, this is the point of the show where Adam and I pose that question to our listeners and say, do you, do you think these winged flying humanoids are protectors are they omens do they exist at all um you know if what did you go to the wisconsin state fair this year um maybe you heard uh talk about this particular situation Mm -hmm. um any of that you know we want to know we want to know what you think and one of the best places to do that is in our facebook group you can go on facebook search graveyard tales and you'll find our group, which I think now is more than 6,000 members strong. Um, yep. You know, it's a good place. Make sure you answer the questions. Yeah. Um, had to say that we, we got uh, questions to get you into the group. And it's basically just here's the rules for the group. Be nice, all that stuff. If you're requesting entry, please just answer the, the question there so we know you actually read through them. We get a lot of people that don't. And so it, I, you know, we don't know whether to let them in or not. Yeah. So. And, you know, we, we try to keep as much of the spammers out of the group as we can. We don't want our listeners getting inundated with a bunch of requests for, do you want to buy this product or, you mm-hmm. know, advertisements popping up every time somebody makes a comment on a post. We, we don't, we try to, we try to keep that out. Um, but it is a good, safe place to share stories. You're not going to be made fun of or called a lunatic or any of that stuff. Everybody there has a similar idea uh, about things that are paranormal, supernatural, any of that kind of stuff. And we just want to hear people's good stories. I mean, you know, the ones from our listeners are usually the best. Oh, yeah. Um, but you can also go over and check out our other social media on Twitter and Instagram. Just, again, go search Graveyard Tales. And you can check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can listen to the show. You can find out a little bit more about Adam and myself. And you can become a patron 
and we'd like to thank everyone who has donated to the show. We've mentioned a couple of times that we've done a Patreon episode on this very topic, um, you know, a very specific one. Um, and we have tons of others that go way outside of what the, um, the typical content for, you know, the mainstream show uh, covers. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun. And if you've been thinking about it, you know, now's a good time to pull the trigger. If you've got, um, you know, another uh, member of the graveyard that you're friends with, that family, this is a good gift. Um, yep. You know, holidays are coming up. You know, it's a great gift. Gift them a Patreon membership. Let them come and uh, listen to all that back catalog we've got of of bonus episodes and extra content. Uh, you can Absolutely. also get the videos of Adam and I, um, you know, doing the Patreon episodes. And for our $10 members, you get the video of us making the mainstream show. So you get to see all of our flubs, all of our mistakes, all of our retakes, um, you know, and that it's, you know, it's, it's fun. You're probably going to hear some stuff that we wouldn't let go out on the show. <laughs> yep. Most likely. And don't forget to go and rate and review us on iTunes. It brings us up the charts, makes it easier for people to find the graveyard. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.